Let us turn to the chapter we have read in 1 Corinthians 15. And perhaps we can take verse 55 as our text for the subject tonight. Where we read verse 55, Paul saying, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It may be natural to think that we need to speak about death at funerals alone and even going to uh, going along to the normal um, you know trend of the day not even speak of death at funerals because death is something to shun away not to think about it at all and try to make the whole subject, uh, a merry and happy subject, uh, hiding the real truth of it. But not so the Bible. The Apostle Paul here in this chapter is, in fact, challenging the Corinthians, the believers there, to remember that if they do not believe in the resurrection, even their faith is vain. Of course, as you know, the resurrection of Christ is the central point, it's why you and I are here and can think of a risen Savior who has won death and conquered death. And so at this point of the chapter then, the Apostle Paul is obviously addressing those who had their own doubts there because of the teachings of the day and the philosophy of the day. And it's not very far from what in our own days we hear. So... Uh, I thought of looking at death. First of all, asking ourselves what it is. What is death? What does the Bible say about death? And then secondly, we may want to uh, look at what happens after death that Paul is in fact teaching here for us. And who better than a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian can face this argument, this subject of death at any time, not uh, only at funerals, of course. As we have sung in Psalm 90, we are frail. And death is actually a reality for us all this very day. So what is death? In Genesis chapter 2, we are told that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Well, what happens at death is that these two elements separate again. Soul and body The body out of the dust of the earth and the breathing of God, the spirit given of life into the body. The soul separates from the body. This is what happens. These two elements separates one to another from the other. 
Ecclesiastic 12, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Well, if you are a child of God, saved by faith in Christ, then you are not to be afraid of death. Perhaps, yes, it's natural to think and be fearful of the way you may die. But death itself is clear for the Christian. It is described in his word as a departure from this world of sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, sorry, chapter 4. Paul said exactly this. My departure, the time of my departure is at hand. He was conscious. He was going to a better place. This very reality of the separation between his soul and the body was coming. He knew of it. And he didn't fear that moment. Elsewhere, uh, the Lord Jesus himself described death as a fact of being asleep. And this you may remember in the chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 11, at the resurrection of Lazarus. This is what Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And that's what he did. Lazarus was called out of the grave by the power of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul was able to teach believers everywhere. And writing to the Thessalonians, what you find in his first letter, chapter 4, is this. Declaring by the Spirit, that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's the teaching of the New Testament. That's the teaching of the Word of God. Those who are saved by faith here in this world, those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, will be with him. But there's another aspect of death that the Bible speaks about. And we find mention of something called eternal death. And this is referred to the eternal punishment in hell. Again, Jesus was very clear about this. Those who think that Jesus spoke of love and love and love all the time and only make a great mistake. They show simply that they didn't read everything that Jesus said because Jesus spoke about hell so often. Jesus warned people. Jesus is warning you as you read his word that there is a judgment to come, that there is a fearful place where eternally the souls of the unbelievers will receive punishment in both 
body and soul. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is the Lord speaking. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Is this the idea of God you have? This is what his word reveals to us. This is what the vast majority of people actually don't want to hear. There is a death which is eternal. And that is even more scary than the physical death. To think of a soul and a person physically experiencing the fire of hell for all eternity is a sobering thought. It's a fearful thought indeed. But there is also a death which we can call spiritual death. And that is what occurs, what did occur, when <coughs> sin entered this world. Again in Genesis chapter 2, you remember the word of the Lord to the first, uh, our first parents. And he said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam and Eve didn't die there on the spot when they eat the fruit. But they died spiritually, for certainly, for sure. They began hiding themselves. They were afraid of God. They died spiritually. They lost that beautiful, perfect communion with God. And this is repeated again, and the Apostle Paul is teaching us about this in the letter to the Romans. And for example, chapter 5, verse 12, we read, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. If you are unconverted, if you are not born again by the Spirit within your soul, you are walking on this earth, you can breathe, you can eat and sleep, but you are spiritually dead. You need what God said to Nicodemus. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. Otherwise, your future is doomed. By nature, you are a sinner. And you are not only going to the grave, but you are going to hell. And because of your spiritual deadness, you cannot even see the truth. You cannot even choose what is good. You cannot even do what is pleasing to God. You are dead spiritually. It's not a matter of doing some good and please God. It's just that you are dead. So death has something like a sting. 
we are told here in this chapter. And children, you, you know that the sting is that uh, pointed tool that wasps or um, bees have in their body. Or a scorpion. They can give you this sting in the skin and instill the poison they have in you. It's just a puncture. It hurts, maybe locally for a moment. But if that's a scorpion or any other animal, you've got poison in your body. And I remember when I was a boy, we used to go walking in a certain place in the north of Italy where often vipers were common in a certain time of the year. And the, the first warning we used to get was watch for these serpents, for these vipers. And you had to carry a special antidote in your bag because if you had been beaten by one of these, it could be fatal. It's not that you would be sort of uh, eaten up or like when you are attacked by a lion. You, you, you actually don't see much because those persons that have been beaten by vipers, they only have in their ankle a little, two little dots. But that's enough to kill you. And so Paul is saying here, the sting of death is sin. Friends, you and I have been bitten. And we will die. And you see how important and clear is the example of the Lord Jesus. When in that chapter of John chapter 3, I'll encourage you to go and read this again, especially the children that may have forgotten this or may never even read this. Chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. When Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus was a religious person. He knew a lot about the Bible, but he was dead spiritually. And so Jesus says to him, surprisingly, Nicodemus, you need to be born again by the Spirit from above. And then after saying this, Jesus brings this wonderful example that occurred in the Old Testament about serpents. And that incident in the desert, when the Israelites were in the desert, uh, was that God sent among the people, because of their sins and disobedience, fiery serpents, venomous serpents, and many people died. They were bitten by these serpents, and they died there in the desert. That was God's judgment, to show them their sin. But there was, in God's grace and goodness, there was a solution. And again, surprisingly, but not so surprisingly, that solution was so clearly fitting with the cross of Christ. Jesus tells this to Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew that incident in the Old Testament. And Jesus is repeating this to you and me with this idea of the serpent and of the poison and in that time in the desert, the solution that Moses had to give to the people by God's word was a serpent on a pole up there. A brass serpent put there on the pole. 
you think to, you, you think as a normal person, what is that? How can you be saved from death by something that is put up on a pole? What's the meaning of that? And yet, that's exactly what happened. Those people in the wilderness that did believe the word of God to be saved, if they were bitten by the serpent, they didn't, do, they didn't need to go to the doctor. They didn't need to go and look for a plaster. You know what they need to, needed to do? They just needed to turn their eyes and look at that serpent on the pole and believe that God would heal them. The serpent was crushed. Satan, the evil one, was crushed there on the cross of Calvary. And when you look up there and you trust in him who has been killed by God's wrath, you shall be saved. The sting of death has no effect upon those who trust in the Lord and see the Savior killed there on the cross of Calvary. It is by faith. It is through faith, by grace, that you are saved. So, so when you think of death and the hope that the gospel gives for death. You see that the solution is incredibly simple. There is nothing in your power that can, no, nothing in your abilities that can fight against death. Just as no one on a, of us, just as nobody in the history of mankind was ever able to defeat physical death, so you will not be able to find a solution for your spiritual death. And yet in our foolishness, in our blindness, that's exactly what we do when we live. And we think, oh, God is he's good. I'm sure I can be standing there and, and give a list of good things that I've done in all my life. That is exactly how foolish I am. That is exactly what I do as a minister when I forget the cross. That is exactly what you should never do if you want to be saved. If you want to get rid of this poison that is in your soul and it will cause you to die eternally. Look to Christ. Look to the cross. Remember that he has been sent to be your substitute. And the wrath of God has been poured upon his dear precious son. That whosoever will believe in him shall be saved. This is what Jesus repeated so clearly in John chapter 3. So then Paul is giving us uh, this insight about death. And we are given this wonderful uh, opportunity to see what happens after death. Now, what happens after death? 
we may want to go to the Westminster Confession, and I've quoted here uh, for you a very helpful portion of chapter 32, because that's the, a very good summary of what happens after death. What we gather from the Word of God. This is, I quote, what the Westminster Confession says. The souls of the righteous, being made perfect in holiness, are received into the highest heavens, where they behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. And the souls of the wicked are cast into hell, where they remain in torments and utter darkness, reserved for the judgment of the great day. Beside these two places, the scripture acknowledges none. That's it. That's what we gather from God's word. That's what Jesus remarked so clearly all the time. That's why he gave up himself, as we said this morning. So that many would be considered righteous and be saved. And these are the only two group of men and souls. And when Jesus will return, like we read in the Gospel of Matthew, he will divide the whole humanity into two groups. The righteous and the wicked those who did believe in him and those who, to whom he has to say, I did not know you. <clears throat> it's difficult for me to say, but I need to say this and ask you personally, do you know in which one of these groups you are? Friends, you must know it's better for you to decide today and see if you are lost eternally and examine your conscience and think about Christ and his work and search the scriptures and bow down on your knees and say, Lord, save me. The decision for eternity must be taken now while you are alive in this body. Today, because you and I simply don't know when we die. Whatever age. It's only recently I heard in one of the schools in Inverness one young person didn't turn up the following morning. Actually, after the holidays, he was found dead in his bed. You see, that's how life can end, even if you are young. That's why, children, you are so privileged to be here and to have Christian parents that teaches you how you can be saved. How can you be reassured of heaven for all eternity? For Christ will receive you. Christ is Christ has come 
to pay for your sins and to receive you unto himself. I think you heard the the illustration of the Titanic, which is actually a true story, but it fits well to think about what happened at the Titanic and when when the that big safe so-called safe um, transatlantic had to was sinking in the ocean, um, and many of the lifeboats <coughs> went away half <coughs> full. in the rush of the moment and the panic, but also because many did not believe that that big boat could ever sink. Many didn't step into the lifeboats just because they thought it was not necessary. Isn't that a tragedy? Is not the tragedy that you would die without believing in Christ? Have you having heard of him so often, so many times. It's like someone being thrown out of an aeroplane with a parachute on his shoulders and never opening it because he doesn't believe that that will save him. And yet, this is what we are as sinners. After death, you will be in one of these two groups. But for you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is much assurance. There is much in the word of God that gives you joy and peace and confidence. And this is the word of the Apostle Paul, in fact, to the Corinthians in the second letter speaking about death for himself the apostle says therefore we are we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord we are confident i say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord this is what death is for the believer Yes, you leave this world, you leave this body, you leave those whom you love, but if you love the Lord, you will be with him. And that's why the apostle could say, from prison, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better isn't that true brethren that we so little think of this so rarely we think of the reality that being with Christ is the most chief joy that we do ever experience we are too attached to the things of this world but this is his word this is his mercy to you and me to help you think of heaven above and Death itself and the presence of the Lord, whom you love, even without having seen. And so you come to this point in this chapter 
verse 52, you have this beautiful picture described by Paul where a trumpet will sound. That is the last trump that will sign the end of time when all the clocks will not be needed anymore. And everybody will be stepping into eternity. First Thessalonians 4, again, that's a beautiful chapter, says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. If you, are not, if you will not be dead, then that will be your experience. Some will experience this. Those who will be physically dead and sleep in the, with, in the Lord will be raised up and we will be meeting together in the air. But we need to say, to put a but here, we are reminded when we read in the last book of the Bible, we read in Revelation 21, we read of the other half of the truth, that some will be present with the Lord, experiencing this glorious, joyful moment. But... Listen to what God says in Revelation 21, verse 8. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. That's the eternal death that we were speaking about. You wouldn't like to be in that group, would you? I was reading of this evil man, a certain Cesare Borgia, in the late 15th century. He was, a, he was a greatly immoral man. You can have your own search in the historical uh, informations here. But um, he had all the riches that you can ever imagine in this world. He was a man that was after power and wealth all his life. He was a wicked man, very moral. But this is what is recorded when he was dying. And I quote, I have provided in my life of everything except death. And now, alas, I am to die entirely unprepared. That makes me shiver. This is what, not what God wants. This is not what Christ wants. 
This is why you have this, his word revealed, so that you would know what will happen to you after death. So that you would see your Savior receiving you with joy and bestowed upon you all the blessings of heaven. And hear from his voice, come, dear, dear child, enter into the presence of your Savior. That is why this chapter can finish with this wonderful verse and these words of Paul. He is encouraging this believer and he calls them beloved brethren. These are people who have trusted the Lord. Yes, you look at the Corinthian church, you are ashamed thinking of their sins and thinking of what they have done. But Paul is speaking about the cross to them. He has reminded them of the gospel and of the mercy of God in Christ. And he gives thanks to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I turn this to you as Paul says to the Corinthians, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Make the Lord Jesus your Savior tonight. Ask him mercy. Even if you do not know where you stand and you are unsure, you should not be left in this halting position. Because there are only two groups. This is what the Bible says. You are either in one or the other. And it is a joy to be saved. To know where you are going when death knocks at the door of your heart. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you again for your word and your revelation, for not having left us in fear and doubt, but having given to us the word of life, having given us your son, your precious son, to die on the cross and to conquer death and sin in this powerful way. And all this for gra by grace. It is nothing of ourselves. It is simply to be received and believed and to be amazed by your wonderful grace that calls sinners unto salvation. Father, may this be so for each one of us here tonight. Revive us, we pray, and grant us this certainty of salvation, this peace that passes all understanding, that tells us that we belong to the <laughs> Father who is in heaven. Forgive our lack of faith, O Lord. Receive us graciously, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Let us conclude with Psalm 18, Psalm 1-8, singing from verse 1 to 6.
Psalm 18, verse 1. Thee will I love, O Lord, my strength. My fortress is the Lord, my rock, and he that doth to me deliverance afford. My God, my strength, whom I will trust, the buckler unto me, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower is he. Down to the end of verse 6, to his praise. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.